nice surprise for you. Yeah? Close your eyes. Okay. Come on. All right. Let's just, just do it. All right. Well, hello and welcome once again to the Raincoat Report. I'm Boss here with Jeremy, who may be dying. All right. I'm okay. Okay. That's great. Uh, I'm happy that he will be able to hopefully make it through this episode. I don't know. Uh, well, there's a lot of reasons why that might not work out. So today we are going to talk about carlos tovalina's late film pulsating flesh which i think when i looked on wikipedia it might have been like his last one uh yeah i looked at his imdb and he definitely made some afterwards this might have been i think they had a selected filmography yeah they had a selected filmography but uh, this might have been, maybe it's more notable than the ones that followed it, which might say a lot about the ones that followed it. Uh, but, uh, yeah, anyway. It's I can a, see how he ended up the way he ended up. <laughs> okay, well, we'll get to that. Um, so, Pulsating Flesh is the film. Um, I believe it is 1985? I, once again, I've got conflicting reports, I think. Uh, 1986, perhaps? This is 87. Okay. All so, right. we don't know. So, in 1986-87, um, this is one of Carlos Tovalina's last films, uh, as we said before. Uh, Carlos Tovalina actually was one of the few people still shooting on film at this point, because... He had been so entrenched and made so many films already that he had his own lab set up where they were able to develop the film and stuff. So he was able to do that much cheaper than anybody else could at that point. So he was able to go on a little bit longer. Uh, He wasn't the last person shooting on film. Right. But uh, he was one of the last people for sure. He was a holdout. He's a relic. We will get into that here in a moment. Um, I want to remind everybody again that uh, you can follow us on social media, Instagram at Raincoat Report, as well as Twitter at Raincoat Report. Uh, send us emails, questions, comments, you know, uh, sponsorship opportunities to raincoatreport at gmail.com. Rate review and subscribe to us through your favorite podcasting platform uh we're up on pretty much all of them now so enjoy that uh and uh, help us get our weird sleazy sound into everybody's ears yes and uh don't forget to follow the teachings of the teacher from the devil and miss jones yes he is our he is our lord and master yes he is our Lord and Master, uh, and we will continue to spread his word via social media, maybe. Unless our social media team forgets about it by then. Yeah, well, we'll see. <laughs> his, his teachings are immortal and forever. Yeah, I'm thinking of splitting off and starting my own chapter of the teachers. Oh, yeah? The, yeah. That sounds like a good idea. I feel yeah. like it could be a fun job. I feel like... We're reading them, but we feel like we're reading two different things. You're not getting it. <laughs> so, I don't know. Um, I, I'm I'm kind of I'm upset that you feel that way. Well, I'm upset that you won't interpret the text of the teacher the same way that I do. 
Is there uh, any particular uh, passages that you're thinking of? Most of the ones in the back. Oh, okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Go back and read them, you heathen. You got it. Thank you. All right. So, uh, once again, we're going to talk today about Pulsating Flesh, um, which was directed by Carlos Tobolina. Uh, he was born in Peru and moved to Brazil before migrating to the USA, where he made a string of films. In fact, on IMDb, he is credited for having directed 49 films in his time. Some of them have to be good. Um, probably. Did you, probably. Did you watch Jungle Blue? I have not watched Jungle Blue. I have seen probably three or four other Carlos Tobolina films. The only one I saw was that. and um, It's similar to this one. This, the locations are different, but right. the, the pacing is the same. Fair enough. Uh, I would say that the other ones that I've seen probably are similar in okay. that sense uh that like they set up a story and they talk a little bit about it and then like in the third act it's just all gone basically yeah um and they kind of seem a little bit longer than they are like they're like 80 minute films but they feel like they might be an hour and 45 minutes yeah they've got yeah we'll talk about it We'll, we'll talk a little bit about it. Uh, there's another, there's a few of them that I haven't seen yet that might be better. Like Marilyn and the Senator is one. and I like the title. It seems like it might be a little more highbrow. Okay, well, we'll watch that one. Um, oh, I have seen one of his films that was really good. He did yeah. the film Flesh and Bullets. Okay. Uh, and that was... A pretty crazy film. Uh, it is not a hardcore film. Okay. It's kind of a exploitation crime film, but it is basically you know made on the same sh- sort of budget as his you know low budget stuff. Mm-hmm. It's got Robert Zadar in it. Oh. Okay. Uh, it has Bill Marigold of pornography fame. Yeah, we're getting somewhere now. Uh, trying to see i thought maybe like harry reams or somebody would be in it but i don't think so harry reams is the milkman uh not in flesh and bullets no but in this one yeah he was he had fallen to the point where he was a milkman at this point in his career i'm going to start the first church of the milkman so let's talk a little bit about harry reams we've talked quite a bit about him uh he is he is the teacher. Yes, he is the teacher and the milkman. And the milkman. He plays archetypal roles. He doesn't have, <laughs> like, real characters. Um, this is one of his last films. Oh, um, yeah? Did he Did he have a sad ending? He had a drug problem in the 80s. Okay. Uh, he ended up leaving the porn business right around the time this came out in 1985, according to Wikipedia, at least. Mm-hmm. Um, but he had films coming out, like this one came out in 86 or 87. Right. He had a couple others out in 87, one in 88, one in 90. Yeah. Uh, I'd imagine that those are probably, you know, old footage at that point right. being used. It's like when Michael Jackson or like Prince died and like a bunch of new recordings came out of right. just like demos that they had scrapped. Right. Yeah. 
So, uh, but Harry Reams retired because he had a really bad drug problem, mm-hmm. and he was eventually like homeless. Oh damn! And was having a really bad time. Um, but he began his recovery in 1989. What he you- married a religious woman and uh, converted from Judaism to Christianity. Oh. He ended up doing real estate using his porn name, Harry Reams. Oh, great. He later on said that if I didn't put God in my life, I'd be dead now. But he then went on to say, I'm not religious, but I'm spiritual 100%. He was later a trustee at a local United Methodist church. Um, In 2005, he was interviewed for the documentary Inside Deep Throat and was the subject of the 2010 play the deep throat sex scandal in his later years he would be uh interviewed for the rialto report uh and also republished his 70s biography here comes harry reams Uh, he ultimately died of pancreatic cancer in 2013 age 65. how do you feel about doing doing some book club episodes uh Perhaps. Maybe not as often. Right. You know, like maybe every couple of months we can pop one out. Yeah. I, 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 yeah, I could see that. Like, yeah. I don't do a lot of reading, but yeah. if it was the right subject. I think I could. we could definitely do Sex Wars of a Gigolo. I think that one's like, it's like this. Yeah. I think that Here Comes Harry Reams, from the way that it looked in the paperback cover, I'd imagine that it's pretty... Then. I would it read... was written in 75 so like it was early in his yeah career. i would read that okay well we'll we'll uh we'll, we'll consider it yes if you guys want a raincoat report book club let us know on social media please thank you so yeah harry reams he was a figure you know he was the guy in deep throat and in devil and miss jones he has a lot of notoriety he is our teacher yeah and master our master and the milkman and the milkman and the devil <laughs> and a snake maybe just when he's the devil just when he's the devil he's a snake but he today is a milkman so we'll dig into pulsating flesh here in a moment i Ugh. think that <laughs> that's not a good phrase <laughs> you're right <laughs> uh we'll All right, we're going to go ahead and take a break, and then we will dig in. Well, we won't dig into. We will do our uh, signature deep dish into pulsating flesh. Well, despite every precaution I always took, I always got my girlfriends pregnant without fail until my last girlfriend suggested that I offer my services to any woman who would like to become pregnant. So I put an ad in the local newspaper and... I've been busy ever since. Tell me about some of the times you've had. Okay. Uh, Also, I brought along some clips of a movie that I had made about my life story. I don't think I've ever had my flesh pulsate. I feel like once or twice I've had, like, like a cyst or something that's just kind of, like, been overloaded with the the pus. It's pulsated a little bit. I guess if I think about it that way, I probably have had some flesh pulsate. Yeah. I don't think that's what they meant when they were talking about this movie. I'm not sure what they were meaning when they were talking about this movie, to be honest. Yeah. I think that it was just a title. 
Yeah. And it's just like, yeah, it's kind of like a boner, maybe. Yeah, he picked it out of a hat. Yeah. <laughs> he picked two words out of a hat. And that was the title. Welcome to Pulsating Flesh. Uh, welcome to Pulsating Flesh. So, uh, yeah, that's what we're talking about today. So let's go ahead and see what's pulsating. What? <laughs> So we get our opening establishing shot of a house from the distance surrounded by trees. Looks like just some random house in California, and it probably is. So we get our title card on the screen, Pulsating Flesh, which pulsates on the screen. Then we see a woman, who we find out later is Mrs. Wilson, leading a man, who we find out later is Peter Longfellow, into the house. She tells him, I have a nice surprise for you. Close your eyes, and leads him in. Mrs. Wilson has Peter open his eyes, and he sees two women on the couch. These two women are credited in the credits as Susan and Lynn, but they are introduced by the characters in the film as Catherine and Bunny. Oh. Prepare wow. yourself for Carlos Tovolina production values. <laughs> Peter says, it looks like they're going to have a good time. And they say, oh, we know. It's about this time that we see the milkman start to walk by. The milkman is Harry Reams. This is later years Harry Reams. He's gone ahead and let himself get all grayed out and stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, and he shows up to uh, do his milkman work, theoretically. He starts off doing it, but he gets off track really quick. The two women are on the couch being seductive with one another while Mrs. Wilson watches from the other couch. Bunny pulls Catherine's boob out of her dress and starts sucking on it. Bunny then pulls her dress up to expose herself. Catherine's rubbing Bunny's legs, and then Catherine stands up and pulls her dress up, too. Mrs. Wilson is sitting on the other couch, or I think this might be a sectional. Is it two couches or a sectional? I think it's a couch and a love seat. You're right. It's a couch and a love seat. But I think that couch can be taken apart, and I'll get to that later. Okay. I hope so. so. Uh, yeah, so it's Mrs. Wilson on the love seat watching the two girls on the couch make out with each other while Peter's also watching. Harry Reams is knocking on the door for Mrs. Wilson, and then he peeks in the window. Wow, look at those, those tits, tits, he says. What a line. As Bunny and Catherine pull their dresses off completely now. Now Catherine starts licking Bunny's vagina. The two women are fondling each other while the milkman, Harry Reams, is rubbing his boner through his pants. Mrs. Wilson is watching still and masturbating. Then, from there, out of nowhere, we cut to two completely different women in a completely different place. Yeah. Uh, before we move on to that rapid transition, I think Mr. Reams could have been better served in a film I came up with called The Milkman Always Comes Twice. Ooh, I love it. Yeah, I think that that would have been a better use for this character and really just a better movie in general if it had focused on the adventures of Harry Reams as a horny milkman. Um, 
I've seen a lot of jobs in porn, but I don't know if I've seen Milkman. And you got the title that's based off like a classic. Uh, it just all comes together, you know. Well, where is Carlos Tobolina? He's dead. Oh, yeah, he died. Yeah, he oh, died. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Oops. Oh, uh, yeah, we didn't talk about that. Let's go ahead and get this uh, out okay. in the open since uh, we we completely skipped over that detail. Uh, Carlos Tobolina, our director here, you know, this was put out in 86, 87. He actually died in 1989. Uh, his wife, Maria, found him lying unresponsive. And he was discovered with a 38 caliber Smith & Wesson revolver in his right hand. Declared dead from a gunshot wound to the head. He had written a suicide note which explained that he was suffering from terminal liver cancer. And he had ended it. So we're going to get him on the Ouija board. Yes, um, on uh, that Ouija board episode that we were talking about. Yeah. We're going to get him and Mark Stevens and... Uh, Gerard... Damiano. Gerard Damiano and... We're going to get the whole crew together because they're all dead at this point. Uh, yeah, we're going to get the whole spirit crew up and running. Uh, it's on Patreon, nineteen ninety five a month. Yes. <laughs> That's our Patreon, nineteen ninety nine a month. We had cut to two other women. Uh, these women are Anne and Susan. They never speak their names. No. Uh, they are never named other than in the credits and even then it's kind of messed up because i think that they're misattributed you're talking about that how it's messed up in the movie and on imdb probably yeah the imdb matches the movie and i'm in the movie's wrong the movie's wrong at least based on the uh headshot pictures that i had on the internet adult film database yes um, they didn't list the roles that they were in, but they showed headshots of the actors and then had a list of the scenes and the actor's name who was in each scene. Weird that they didn't put the characters on when they... But yeah. okay. Whatever. Yeah, I don't know. That's what their thing is, I guess. <laughs> uh, anyhow, Anne and Susan are hanging out on uh, their waterbed. Or Susan's waterbed, I believe. I believe it's Susan's house. We, we'll get to that when we, we get to that point. Yeah. Did you have a waterbed? I've never owned a waterbed. Have you owned a waterbed? Yeah, my parents. My first like non-crib bed was a waterbed. They're like, hey, oh, yeah. you're three now. There's a waterbed. My parents had a waterbed at one point. Uh, I remember being like probably 11 and just being like, depressed and destructive so i would just sometimes stab a <laughs> hole in it oh really yeah and then call for my dad i'm like come fix this there's it's leaking and he was like, why is it leaking i was like i stuck a pin in it come on <laughs> the patch there's water everywhere it smells bad it smells terrible because oh, like yeah. it's got like a frame that holds the whole thing in place and then right. like stuff goes down in there and then if it gets wet it just stay it's it was oh, a bad scene yeah, yeah. Uh, you shouldn't give a child a waterbed. Yeah, that seems risky. Uh, my parents had a waterbed when I was growing up. And so, I mean, I've laid on one before. Uh, but I feel like I wouldn't get the support that I needed for my back. Yeah, that's fair. Um, sometimes I would turn the heat all the way up and then wake up and just be stuck to it. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like having sex on a waterbed, I would get seasick. 
I've never tried it because um, the waterbed was gone because, like I said, I kept sticking holes in it right. um, by then. But I can't imagine placing my knees or just anything. Like, I would just flop over. It would be like having sex on a trampoline. Right. Did you uh, Did you have sex at home when you lived with your parents? Once or twice, I think. Okay. I can't quite remember. Uh, definitely once I do remember, and then... I had it once when I moved back home with them, but they were gone. They were out of town. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, so it was safer. Um, <laughs> but when I lived with them, like, as a child into, like, my early 20s, nah, once or twice. Okay. So, Anne asks Susan, what time is the Joan Carson show on? Susan says this should be on any minute and explains that on this episode... Joan Carson is talking to a guy who gets paid to make love to women. Anne asks, is he a pimp? <laughs> I don't know if Anne knows what a pimp is. No, I don't think so. Um, she's looking for the term gigolo. Uh, yes, that's the term she's looking for. So they turn on the TV and we see the Joan Carson show. Now, let's talk a little bit about the Joan Carson show. So first off, this is the era where Johnny Carson was the king of late night still. Right. And he had the Johnny Carson show. Of course. And uh, it was a big deal still. It was, uh, it was still an American uh, establishment. He'd been doing it for years and it was a big deal. Joan Carson didn't quite have the production value that Johnny Carson did. No, not I much guess. of a set. Um, it looks more like the Eric Andre show. <laughs> I think that, you know, I'd imagine that she should have gotten at least 70% of what Johnny Carson was making to make his show. Yeah. I mean, she should have gotten 100%, but I would have expected her to get at least 70. Uh-huh. Uh, but I think that she got like $10. She got access to some cameras and a live feed, and that's basically it. Yeah. So her set is... It's kind of like, uh, more like, more like Between Two Ferns, maybe. Yeah, it's similar. Yeah. Uh, there are red sheets up on the walls. Right. And then there is what looks like two... Uh, like some chairs my parents had when I was born. Funny thing about these chairs. Yes. I'm pretty sure that this is the couch from the first scene taken apart into two pieces. The pattern is the same. Damn. That's so smart. I I thought that that was the case like the first time that I watched it, yeah. but when I went back to like tighten up my notes, I went and and like paid attention. I think it's the same thing. That's so smart. It's probably the same room. It's just some probably piled up. Um, uh, that's how you make a porn movie on a budget. That's right, Carlos Tobolina. He's what, whatever you want to say about it. He got it done. He did. I mean, it's a complete movie, and it. it feels like it it sure is a movie so the joan carson show starts and we get introduced to our guest peter longfellow he made his fortune in as she puts it a most unusual way um i would say that yes this is unusual mm -hmm. so peter explains his deal he found out that he got women pregnant any time he had sex, regardless of precautions. So his last girlfriend suggested that he go around and help women. So he put an ad in a local newspaper 
and has been doing it ever since. So this is his thing. Regardless yeah. of birth control, IUDs, uh, the pill, the pill, whether or not he comes inside a woman or not, he gets women pregnant every time. It just takes a little bit of pre-cum from Peter Longfellow. Right. Yeah, he's got that super sperm. Yes, he does. He keeps calling them sperms, which I've never right. really... That's not something I would do. <laughs> <laughs> so Joan Carson asked him to tell her about some of the times uh, he had <laughs> some of his exploits. Yes. Um, I'm going to stop here. So you said also this is... Uh, Ray Harden playing Peter Longfellow, right? And he wrote the film as well. Yes, uh, uh, he's also known as Ray Wells. More, yeah, Ray often, Wells. But uh, uh, Ray Harden's how he's uh, credited. Yes. I don't know if he's ever like written a script before or watched a film, but <laughs> the way he sets everything up is confusing and contrived. Uh, yes, it certainly is. Uh, I won't argue that point. Yeah. So she asked him to tell her, tell the audience about some of this. The audience, by the way, is stock footage, and I love it. Oh my god, I love the audience footage. That's the number one thing I love about this movie. (laughs) So she asked him to tell the stock audience about some of his exploits, and he tells her that he brought along clips of the movie he had made about his life story. How many layers deep are we here? (laughs) So uh, this is the uh, third layer, I guess. I guess so, because you have the the two women watching at home right? who, for some reason, have a a tiny TV on top of their normal TV that they watch. I didn't Joan, notice that. Yeah. <laughs> on top of a larger TV. Yeah. Uh, they watched the Joan Carson show on. And then Joan Carson is taking us deeper in by showing us clips of the film he's done. So, yeah, I think we're on the third layer. Fourth, maybe, if you consider whatever was happening at the beginning to be some kind of, like, like rap or setup or something. <laughs> um, but, yeah. Uh, the film is confusing. <laughs> Yeah, it's not for the even. I watched it mostly sober. <laughs> I like. I was like, I'm not going to drink because usually when I watch these, I have like a couple of beers just because it helps get into the. It helps us spin the disbelief a little bit. Right. But I was like, I'm not going to smoke. I'm not going to drink because I'm trying to cut back on all that stuff at the moment. Right. Uh, and I was like, this is confusing. What is going on? I can't imagine if I had been like where I'm at right now as we're talking about it. I feel like if you were at where you're at right now when you watched it, you probably would have enjoyed it more. Yeah, that's a good point. I would have been completely glued to wherever I was. I wouldn't be able to look away. (laughs) So, wait, to take a step back, they had Um, a small TV that was sitting on top of a big TV. Yeah. If I know anything about the time frame, I'm going to assume that the big tv was broken yes and it just served as a perfect spot for a smaller one there's no way susan was going to be able to move the larger tv on her own because it weighed probably three of her yeah those old tvs like we grew up with like a 27 inch tv that was probably like at least two feet thick right Um, and i thought that was a big tv as a kid right but 
now my TV is like probably like 55, 60 inches and yeah. it's like, it's slender. I can stick it under my arm and go. Right. Makes um, it a lot easier for uh, people to burgle you. Yes. Thankfully that hasn't happened yet. <laughs> so yeah, Peter has brought along clips of this movie that was made about his life. In this movie that was made about his life, he is playing himself and having sex with people. And this is all being broadcast on television in the 1980s. Oh yeah, these are recreations of the original scenes too. That adds another layer. (laughs) Because all of this did happen in the past, but these are recreations of that. So he starred in his own movie about his life. So he explains that uh, he had given the production manager a copy of the films. (laughs) And... uh, This first one was about a gentleman that wanted him to help get his wife pregnant. So they throw to the first clip, and at that point, Peter Longfellow is having a couple sign a paper as a release from, as he puts it, all legal liability. (laughs) I guess when you're going around sperming up people, you want to get your paperwork signed. Yeah, he probably also had like VD and wasn't... (laughs) He's like, I'm I'm not getting it fixed. That's for pussies. (laughs) So they write him a check for $800, and it's explained that this is the first half of the payment, and the second half comes whenever the wife is confirmed to be pregnant. So even if he doesn't, like even if his thing's a scam, he just gets to fuck your wife for $800. (laughs) I guess so. That's pretty good. But to be fair, I mean, per Peter... He's, it's been 100% successful. Yeah, but like you said, Joan Carson show doesn't quite have the uh, probably the quality control and the production standards <laughs> of Johnny Carson. Yeah, I guess so that's true. It's and, totally possible this man's a fly-by-night con man. Well, and, and actually, if you look at the film that way, I think it still works because in the film, it's never revealed that anybody is actually pregnant. Yeah. Like, he says that he has this history and this stellar record, and it always worked. Where are the babies? But there are no babies. Well, I think that it's good that there are no babies in this film. Where did they put the babies? <laughs> but uh, I, I think that nobody uh, coming to the realization that they were pregnant in this film, uh, other than just by uh, Peter Longfellow telling them things, uh, kind of shows that you could read this film as him being a scam artist, and there's no way to prove that wrong. I had to dimension to it. We I like to think that that's the deep. case. I think I'm, the, I'm going to go ahead and declare that he is a con artist, and I will view the rest of this film in that uh, in that context from now on. That's a good idea. That adds a layer to it. I enjoy that. Yeah, we're like 50 layers deep now. God. <laughs> <laughs> So, the wife then asks Peter if her husband can watch. Peter says that he has no objections, but he asks her why. She says, well, he's paying for it after all, and Peter says okay. So, Peter tells the wife that his assistant will get her ready. So, the wife walks to the side with the assistant, and the assistant starts undressing the wife. Because she needed somebody to undress her. Mm Mm-hmm. So Peter and the husband are on the couch. And to be clear, these people are credited as husband and wife. They Mm -hmm. don't have names. No. 
So Peter's with the husband on the couch, and Peter comments that the husband may get turned on by this. And so the husband says, well, he, I might do more than watch. And Peter says he can feel free to join in, and the assistant will be glad to help him out. And they'll just add it to the bill. So, uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so we cut back to the assistant and the wife, and, she, and the assistant is undressing the wife. Um, this is all being broadcast on TV, by the way. So the 1980s apparently were a great time to be alive. Uh, the Joan Carson show is not afraid to stray away from reality. No. Um, and I would watch, did you ever watch the public access channel like just uh, on not, occasion? Not any significant amount of time. I feel like every time I, I skip past it, something terrible and unwatchable was on. Mm-hmm. But I always hear about like there being interesting things. Like, there was a lot of stuff that was just, like, unwatchable. Um, I saw, like, this real, like, low-budget horror movie called The Woodchipper Massacre that was on there. Oh, that's one that I want to watch. Yeah, it was good. I remember it, like, obviously. Um, and there was, like, this, like, black guy who always had, like, these, like, yellow dish gloves on and, like, big <laughs> goggles. And he was like, I want to talk like this. I want to do this. And I really didn't. I didn't really like him, but... One time this guy was, like, doing, like, karaoke of songs and was just showing, like, just nude photos of his ex-girlfriend. And there'd be, like, (laughs) messages scrolling about how she was a bitch. (laughs) That's horrible, but hilarious at the same time. Yeah, it was bizarre. I was like, what is going on here? I was like, I didn't know you could show this. That's, like... The fact that that was on TV is hilarious. The uh, moral implications are a little less funny, but right. it's a it's a crazy concept that like there was a channel that you could watch and see that on. Yeah, it was perfect. Public access TV rules. The assistant comments that the wife has beautiful skin and a nice body, and explains that she's going to rub oil on her. The wife asks why, and the assistant explains that it's for lubrication. Um, Because she needs to be lubricated head to toe, apparently. Uh, Then the assistant rubs the wife's vagina with the oil and notes that she was already wet. And the wife says, yes, I'm ready. So the wife lays down on a red bed and rubs her vagina. This uh, red bed sheet, perhaps it's the same bed sheet that's being used as a background on the Joan Carson show. There's a decent chance. The assistant tells Peter that the wife is ready, but Peter says that, well, I'm not. Prepare me. (laughs) So the assistant then goes down and pulls out Peter's dong and starts to suck him off. She asks, am I a good assistant? And Peter tells her, you're doing great. So he takes off his coat and then his tie and his shirt Uh, We see the husband standing to the side rubbing his dong through his pants while he watches Peter get blown. The wife is just laying on the bed with her legs spread and waiting. Peter finally says okay and then goes over to the bed to mount the wife missionary. Uh, He's at kind of a slight angle. Uh, I believe that's to get you some good vision of the penetration going down Uh there. So the assistant is standing to the side watching uh, she she has one breast pulled out of her dress. Yeah, I thought that was odd. I think the man, I think her husband might also have like his dong pulled out or something. But uh, 
Not immediately, but, but... I feel like I saw both of them just standing there, like, slightly undressed, and I was like, what are they up to? Uh, we get there. Okay. So the husband stands up and walks over next to the assistant, and he's undoing his belt and zipping, unzipping his pants. So we cut back to the sex, and then we cut to the husband jacking off while he watches his wife get pounded by Peter Longfellow. <laughs> so the assistant is looking at the husband's dong while he's jacking off and then we pan back over to the missionary sex that peter longfellow and uh, the wife are having so we cut to the assistant again now with both of her tits out and she's rubbing her nipples and then she leans over and grabs the husband's dong and starts rubbing it on her nipples uh, as this is going on we can hear moans of sex in the background as peter's railing this guy's wife what a good scam. We cut back to Peter. He's still fucking the wife missionary. He's sucking on her nipples. And then we pan back to the assistant rubbing her nipples on the husband's dong. Uh, then he slides his dick between her tits. And the assistant then takes off her dress and panties. And the husband gets finished getting undressed at the same time. Uh, this guy's kind of a hairier guy. Yeah, I noticed that. But his back is super hairy. Yeah, he's got like a George the Animal Steel kind of thing going <laughs> on. It was um, like you expect to see like hairy guys in like porno, but he was kind of a little more than you would maybe want. He looks like the guy from The Geek. Yeah. The Geek from The Geek. Yeah, he looks like the, the Bigfoot. Uh, we will get to that soon, I'm sure. Yes. The assistant sits down on the side of the bed and starts blowing the husband. Peter Longfellow is still fucking the wife on the bed as well. We cut to a penetration shot of Peter uh, having sex with the wife from behind, uh, still missionary. And then a cut to a shot of the wife's face as she's getting into it. The assistant lays down in the bed, and the husband then mounts her stomach and starts titty fucking her peter's still railing this guy's wife yeah he goes on for a minute yeah he he's got endurance yeah he does so we cut to a shot of the assistant's face and then pan up to see the husband fucking her breasts and then we pan over from that back to peter having sex with the wife uh the husband's titty fucking hard and fast <laughs> And cut back to, from there, we cut back to the women who are watching TV. Susan tells Anne that she has some toys. Anne asks, what kind? And Susan says, I'll show you. So Susan leans over and pulls two dildos out of the nightstand. One is an old-style strap-on. The technology has improved significantly since then. <laughs> Uh, these are probably made of a terrible material, and one of them has balls on it that look really weird. Yeah, they're kind of lumpy and strange. Yeah, uh, I think now's a good time to 
talk about how uh, sex toys have evolved over the years. Yeah. We talked a little bit, I think, in the last episode about the weird dildo that the hot and saucy pizza girl... Yeah, the hand-cranked one. Yes, that Celeste yeah. uh, jammed into her horny housewife customer. Away. So, um, yeah, sex toys back in the 70s and 80s, they're definitely weird compared to now. Yes. Um, these old things... Uh, like a lot of um, razor sharp edges you can cut yourself on yeah um, the strap-ons I've noticed all just go straight around the waist yeah so these women have their strap-ons like right at their belly button level I guess that's something uh, you know rather than now where you have the three-point harness yeah that uh, connects more in the crotch area right uh, to give you more of a uh, a simulation of fucking with a penis. Yeah, that's true. They're not up here at the belly button. No, and I feel like just position-wise, it probably makes things yeah. harder. You'd have to... I can't even imagine. I'm glad we live in an age of technologically advanced sex toys. Right. And, oh, like, what materials are these things made out of? Some pre-EPA cancer-causing right. plastics, rubbers. Yeah. I don't know. That's why they're all dropping like flies. <laughs> now because i used all this shit back then none of these uh you know body safe silicone toys that we have no, today nothing uh i went to like a sex shop in lexington one time that seemed like it still just had stuff from the 70s everything <laughs> was very unpleasant looking and like like saran wrap like just very like vacuum sealed type plastic like not like like on like a little like cardboard backing board or whatever. I was like, this is very strange. Right. It's not like the the molded plastic fancy shit you get now. Uh, so I don't yeah, know. I don't know. I, the uh, there is a sex shop uh, attached to the sex motel, the mm-hmm. Louisville Manor. Oh yeah, I've uh, never been in there. The sex shop is really weird. Mm-hmm. Um, the <laughs> Uh, there were just like a bunch of old things there. It looked like nobody had been in there for a while, but it's the hotel that everybody goes to have sex at. So you would think that there had been people in there. They just don't bother with any of that stuff. They had a bunch of like DVDs on sale and I think I bought one that day. Very nice. But like I went to buy it and he was like, well, there's no paper for the receipt on the card machine. So I couldn't use my card and I had to borrow cash from a friend. (laughs) Uh, so yeah, that was a weird experience at a sex shop. Good. Back to the earlier point, uh, sex toys have evolved. Yes. This is just how Darwin predicted. It was. So, the girls are rubbing each other, this being Susan and Anne, who had been watching TV. They start rubbing each other's arms and legs and shoulders, uh, Anne pulls Susan's dress strap down to expose her breast. Uh, Anne's still holding a dildo as they make out. Susan pulls down the dress straps on Anne's dress, and Susan kisses Anne's chest and rubs the dildo on her. Anne is standing up to take off her dress when we cut back to Peter. So Peter's still fucking the wife. He has her legs pinned up as he's going to town. 
The husband also has the assistant's legs pinned up as he's going to town in the sweat in the same position. Uh, the assistant is looking pretty sweaty, and when we pan up to see the husband, we see that he's very sweaty, so I think he's dripping his sweat onto her. Yeah, there's a lot of sweat. Yeah, yeah. he's very sweaty. you think that hair would collect it, but it, it doesn't. No, well, he doesn't have enough hair on his forehead. I think I that's the that's problem. I guess that's the problem. He needs a sweat band. Yeah, he does. <laughs> it's the 80s, by God. Yeah, right? If any time, it would have been then. So they're railing away. We see some shots showing both couples at the same time and some with just one of them. They're all in missionary variations. And then both Peter and the husband roll over the girls that they're having sex with and into doggy positions. Both guys mount the, their respective sexual partners from behind and uh, they start having sex doggy style while the girls make out in the middle. They shift position a little bit over time. They were like face-to-face directly at first, and then uh-huh. they're kind of uh, facing back diagonally as they're going at it. Uh, eventually, the husband pulls out and comes on the assistant's ass. He is so goddamn sweaty. <laughs> <laughs> he rubs the cum into her skin. Peter pulls out and shoots the load over the wife's back. He's got a pretty... Solid projectile, he gets far, uh, and there's a lot of it. But at this point, I'm thinking to myself, this seems counterproductive. Yeah, I wondered that as well. Uh, One thing about this film is on all of the cum shots, there are bloopy sound effects in the background. Yeah, these weird synthesizer... Woo! Like squawks, kind of like those like one of those little toy laser guns you would have got as a kid. Yeah. Uh, But the music itself is... It drove me to madness. <laughs> it's just this like constant like smooth jazz like department store elevator music right? that just won't stop. <laughs> it's I felt incredibly neutral about the music. I don't feel like I noticed it, and I guess that's kind of maybe that's like the point of it. But to me, it was just like these constant <laughs> like piano sweeps and like someone just fucking going bing 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 fucking. <laughs> playing the Fraser theme on the bass. <laughs> so yeah, he comes on the wife's back. We get to see it a second time from another angle. It's a lot. It's a big load. But each time he puts his cock back into the girl uh, before he does it, so it almost looks like it's two cum shots. Uh, but on, I think, all of his cum shots in this film, we see two. That and makes it's, sense. It's that's the a, same shot from two angles. Yeah, that's a popular technique. Run it back slow. The husband says, Peter, you came all over my wife. How do you expect to get her pregnant that way? Uh, he's still fucking the assistant. Uh, again, I guess. Peter says, you did say you wanted triplets. You'll get your money's worth. She'll get pregnant. <laughs> then we cut back to the talk show audience applauding. <laughs> and they're... <laughs> Stock footage. Yeah. Group of old people, mostly. Right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Joan Carson said, that was interesting and unusual footage. Uh, she asked if he got the woman pregnant, and he says he did. Of course. So, again, all of this is being broadcast on television. Yeah. <laughs> None of it verified. Right. 
So Joan asked Peter what the most exciting experience he had was, and he said that it dealt with a wealthy woman. She had asked what his favorite fantasy was, and he said uh, two bisexual high school girls. What? He says that the older lady brought the high brought in the high school girls, and little did she know that he had enough for all three of them. So they go to throw the clip on, and this is the continuation of what we were seeing yeah. in the opening. I didn't in fact, realize it was statutory rape when I was watching it earlier. Right. Uh, this it and it's and it resumes. I think from the exact shot that I it was it, on before. I think it does. So these girls are definitely not in high school, no. and this older woman, as Peter referred to her, might be younger than the high school girls. Yeah, it's very mixed up. Those high school girls look like they're at least in their thirties. Right. I mean, you know, they're they're attractive and all, but they don't look like they're going to high school. No, not in the least. Uh, but that's a good thing. We don't need high schoolers in this film. I suppose not. So Catherine is going down on Bunny while Mrs. Wilson is watching and Peter is rubbing his dong through his pants. We see Catherine stand up and she plants her leg on the couch while <laughs> Bunny goes down on her from her knees. Peter awkwardly licks his lips while he's watching this. <laughs> so we see... The milkman Harry Reams watching from outside, with his uh, with his hands tinted over his eyes so uh, he could block out the glare as he's watching through glass. Peter then pulls out his dick and starts stroking as he's watching these girls go down on each other. Bunny lays on the couch and Catherine gets on top of her in a sixty nine position and they start munching away on each other as Peter's oh, jacking it. Is that lightning? Uh, perhaps. Ah, we're going to die in a twister, boss. That would be unfortunate. Yeah, uh, one of the girls, the blonder one, uh-huh. has, like, a real Hank Hill ass. Oh, yeah? It's really unfortunate. Yeah. Yeah, it's... It's a bummer. It's just like, it's, um, it's like a bankle, <laughs> which is like where your back just goes down to your ankles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, Harry's having a good time watching from outside like a creep. Mrs. Wilson says, Peter, you can join in, but save it for me. Peter says, all right. So he starts undressing while the girls are stroking him and sucking on him. We cut to the milkman outside. He pulled out his penis, and he's jacking it through his fly. We see Mrs. Wilson on the couch masturbating over her panties. The milkman watching outside goes, oh God, is he standing in the doorway of a sliding door that's open for some reason? The girls are taking turns blowing Peter. Uh, The girls being Catherine and Bunny, but not Mrs. Wilson. Harry Reams, the milkman, has to use both of his hands to jack it because he's got a big old dong. Yeah, Um, he's going to get fired if he keeps screwing around and not delivering the milk. Yeah, uh, I feel like that's probably frowned upon by the milk people, by yeah. Big Milk. Yeah, Big Milk doesn't like that kind of thing. They only care about one kind of white, and it's not your seed, buddy. <laughs> Susan and Catherine are still blowing Peter, uh, but then Peter bends Catherine over doggy style uh, onto on the couch. We then cut to a really out-of-focus shot 
of Peter fucking Catherine uh, doggy style from behind. I figured this wasn't an artistic choice and more of a technical snafu. Mm-hmm. We cut to a shot of the two girls making out as Peter's banging Catherine. Uh, Bunny making out with Catherine. We cut to an in-focus shot from behind and then shots from the side. The uh, position seems slightly complicated as he has one leg up on the couch planted, but the area is kind of narrow the way he's doing it. The angles work out, but I feel like it's probably not comfy for very long. (laughs) This is one of those positions only used so that you can see the old in and out. Yeah, it's true. So Harry's still jacking it as he's watching. Um, Peter pulls out and then sits on the couch, and then Bunny starts riding him cowgirl. Catherine's kissing Peter and rubbing on the two of them. Then the milkman, Harry, walks in, and he's still jacking it. And he says, Mrs. Wilson, I came here to collect the bill, but I was wondering if I might join in. Mrs. Wilson tells him, join me. She presents her vagina to him, and Harry walks over and starts to go down on her. We cut back to our TV-watching women. Uh, Anne has a garter belt, thigh highs, and black panties on. Susan unhooks the garters from... Anne's get up uh, and slides down the panties but she only unhooked one of the four connectors so I'm not sure if this was an unnecessary step or there was something weird that went on when Anne was getting dressed and she had one of the garter straps above the panties and the rest below it I don't know I don't know it's very strange yeah it's not clothing um Susan rubs Anne's breasts and brushes her hands through Anne's pubes. Anne lays down on the bed, and Susan rubs her and makes out with her from on top. Anne's rubbing a dildo on her labia lightly, and Susan's rubbing Anne's vagina as well. Susan stands up and drops her dress, sitting down to fully pull it off, and then standing back up to take off her panties. She then picks up the strap on and starts to rub her vagina with it yeah the strap-on never really gets used the way you think it would no not not as intended i guess it wasn't really very functional it got so dark outside it really Uh, did this is this is the lord punishing us for watching this filth yeah especially this film yeah we're sorry dear lord we're sorry (laughs) the teacher we're sorry the teacher for having forsaken you and for having criticized a film that you were in yeah we're sorry we abandoned you and Sought to learn the ways of the milkman. (laughs) So we cut back to Peter. Uh, Bunny, who was riding Peter, dismounts. And then he leans over to penetrate Catherine, who's laying on the couch. The way he does this is he gets down on his knees in front of the couch. And Catherine is laying back on the couch. So... He is putting all his pressure on his knees on the floor, and all I could think of was this would kill my knees. <laughs> so then the milkman gets up, and he and Mrs. Wilson undress. She definitely does not appear to be an older woman. She starts blowing the milkman, uh, sitting on the couch while he's standing. The two high schoolers, quote-unquote, 
are side by side, and Peter's going back and forth, fucking the two of them from the floor on his knees. So, one's laying on one cushion, the other's to the cushion beside her, and Peter fucks one, and then moves over, and then fucks the other, all on his knees, destroying his knees. (laughs) Mrs. Wilson probably should have just let the milkman impregnate her, or at least try to. Yeah, um... That might have been a good idea, but that's not what she paid for. Yeah, that's she not... She paid the milkman to deliver milk. She paid the long fellow to deliver sperms. Yeah, I suppose that's true. But she could have probably saved money on milk. That's true. So the milkman fucks Mrs. Wilson's breasts. She lays back on the couch while the milkman fucks her. Uh, he is also on his knees fucking her on the couch in the same way that uh, Peter is fucking the girls on the couch. He says, I've been delivering to your door for a long time, but I never thought I'd deliver anything like this. (laughs) So we cut back to the two women who are watching TV. They're kissing, and then Anne goes down on Susan. Susan moans and grabs her breasts. And rubs Anne's hair. The bedsheet pattern is kind of this rainbow spectrum with black stripes in between. I liked it. Anne asks if Susan has a vibrator, and Susan says it's in the top drawer. So Anne crawls over and opens the drawer. We cut back to on-the-knees couch mounting a palooza. Uh, Harry is still fucking Mrs. Wilson, and Peter's going back and forth between the two quote-unquote high school girls. Um, As the shot starts, Peter's kind of leaning sideways off of his knees, but then he gets back to his knees fucking the two of them. His knees are screaming. He had to relieve a little pressure. Yeah, I don't blame him. (laughs) So then Harry tags out to go fuck Catherine, one of the quote-unquote high schoolers, while Bunny, the other quote-unquote high schooler, is below Catherine in a 69 position. Uh, So then Peter shuffles over and starts fucking Mrs. Wilson, starting on his knees in that same position. He then lifts her legs and starts going to town on her with his legs kind of arched up and fucking her, and then back on his knees. So he's going to town. The milkman's also going to town, and as he's going to town, he turns his head to watch Peter doing his thing. (laughs) He's impressed, he seems. So we go back to the TV ladies, Anne and Susan. Anne's using the vibrator, and it's one of those old, white, hard plastic styles. Mm -hmm. This is uh, well before the age of the magic wand, or those like bunny vibrators, or anything Nothing uh, comfortable. Good. (laughs) Yeah. Just a hard stick of plastic that looked like a... uh, Like a rocket ship. Yeah, like a little rocket ship. Susan is rubbing the tip of a dildo on Anne's nipple while Anne's getting off with the vibrator. I always see them do that in porn, but I don't really... Does that, like, rubbing someone with the the dildo? (laughs) It just doesn't seem like that. I don't know. This is a visual thing. Yeah, probably. I mean... I could see the fact that her nipple is getting stimulated being a positive, but there's no reason for it to not just be a hand or a mouth or something. Right. I feel like those would feel better than an old rubber dildo. Yeah. (laughs) You old rubber dildo. You old rubber dildo, yeah. 
<laughs> we cut back to Catherine, who's going down on Bunny from above because they're in that 69 position, and she's still getting fucked by the milkman. Then we get a wider shot of the milkman and Peter both humping away at their uh, respective humping positions. Uh, the milkman again turns around to watch Peter and seems impressed with his handiwork. Yeah, he's really admiring his long fellowsmanship. <laughs> so Harry pulls out and he comes on Bunny's face because she's below Catherine. Uh, we get the bloopy synth sound effects as that's going on. Oh, yeah. Pew, pew, pew. Uh, and then... <laughs> Also, Bunny has come in the corner of her eye, so she better not open it too much. Uh, she still sucks his dong clean, and Harry, as that's happening, leans over and starts eating Catherine's ass. Oh. As, as this is going on, the camera's panning around, and I think that you see another care. Uh, I think you see another camera kind of blurry in the foreground, yeah. out of focus as this is going on. I feel like you saw some shadows and stuff, like on those like kind of like wide shots of the room. Like you saw like cast shadows and stuff move occasionally. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> but yeah, uh, Carlos Tobolina, you know, again the technical side of things. He's He's got some wherewithal, but it's a little bit of a mess. Yeah. Precision, having a tight production at the end of the day isn't necessarily, you know, a given. Mm-hmm. So Peter's still fucking away. We get a close-up on his face as he gets close, and then he pulls out and comes all over Mrs. Wilson's belly and chest. Again, big load, good projectile, it goes far. She rubs it into her belly and her chest. So we didn't see that one twice, I guess. But, I guess uh, not. But that's still not how you get someone pregnant. No. Well, unless you're Peter Longfellow because of yeah. his sperms. Oh, yeah. Got to sneak out. So we cut back to the studio audience applauding. Joan Carson says, It seems like you get very excited easily. Peter explains he can make love anytime, any place. Joan Carson says they're going to commercial and the crew's going to take a break, so she asks if Peter can give her a little demonstration. He asks, right here, right now? She says, you said any place. And he says, okay. And the audience applauds. Yep, the audience applauds. So she quickly undresses him and he undresses her. He's sucking on her nipples, and then she starts to stroke him, and then gets on her knees and starts blowing him. She really flicks her tongue around the head of his dong at one point, and then he sits her back on the couch and holds her legs up and starts fucking her from the couch. You know, from in front of the couch on his knees. Mm -hmm. Again. Again. Not only is this the same move from the prior scene, I'm pretty sure this is the The same same couch. (laughs) So, he recycled a lot. Yeah, <laughs> this all took place in like one room. This probably took place over the course of a day. Yeah. So they get off the couch, and she starts blowing him again, and he then sits down on the floor in front of the couch with his back against the couch, and then we cut back to the TV girl. So they're watching on TV, or the TV's on in the room at least. They're yeah. kind of busy. But um, 
they're scissoring, rubbing each other's legs. The dildos are laying on the bed next to them, not really in use. But um, they said they were going to commercial and the crew was taking a break, but this is still happening on TV, apparently. The crew took a break and just left the cameras rolling. Oh, okay. That makes yeah. sense. Like, yeah, There's it's... no commercials, though. No. No. <laughs> no. Who? Where? What commercials? Yeah, I mean, who's going to sponsor this show? Yeah. Probably. Um, who? No one. So they're in bed scissoring. Uh, we get some shots from the side at first, then some overhead, and we kind of get a real good look at the waterbed jiggling along the way. Yeah, it moves a lot. It's we, full of water. We then cut back <clears throat> to the studio uh, with the fake audience applauding again. Peter is sitting on the couch, and she's standing on the couch, and he's going down on her. Uh, in front of her. Then she slides down and starts riding his cock. She's still wearing her shoes, of course. Uh, she has a weird tattoo on her butt. It looks like a little scorpion on the left side. Yeah, I saw that. So she's riding away on Peter. We cut back to the girls watching TV and they're 69ing. We cut back to the studio and Peter has Joan Carson bent over the back of the couch, going to town on her from behind. She's wearing a waist chain of some sort. Uh, he puts his leg on the back of the couch for leverage and visibility. We cut again to the women watching TV in 69ing. They're now at the point where they stop and hold open each other's vaginas repeatedly and <laughs> go back to work. You know, as happens. Yeah. It's a normal component of lesbian sex. Uh, we cut back to the studio, and they're now standing with her bent over with her arms on the back of the couch, and he's fucking her from behind. She lays back on the couch, and he's back in his knees. He's back on his knees, fucking her on the floor again, or fucking her from the floor with her laying on the couch on his knees. She's rubbing her clit as he keeps pounding away. We cut back to the TV girls, and they're just watching the TV show now. And again, this is still going. There were no commercials. Susan says she wants a man, and Anne asks, who should we call? Susan replies, why not Peter? So Susan decides she's going to call the station because she knows the number. So she picks up the phone and calls the station. Yeah. And we cut back to Joan Carson getting <laughs> fucked. And she answers the phone <laughs> that uh, Susan called on. She puts Peter on the phone by <laughs> Susan's request. And Peter and the host, through all of this, are still fucking. Peter says that he'll get their address and says that he'll be over after the taping. The stock footage audience is loving all of this. Uh <laughs> Peter puts it back in her for a minute, then pulls out and comes on uh, Joan Carson's chest. The stock footage audience applauds, and then we see him put it back in her, and then he pulls out and comes on her again. So again, this is two, two angles of the shot. same come yeah. shot, both with bloopy synthy sound effects. Uh, he still really coded her, even if it was just <laughs> one come shot versus two. So we cut back to the TV girls, and they're excited. 
and then we cut back to the studio and they're coming back on air after the break uh the producer uh who counts them in from the break is carlos tobolina our Mm -hmm. director so we have three weeks in a row where we had the director as an actor in the film that's pretty cool so yeah that's pretty cool it's pretty nifty um None of them seem well. No, they all played a well. He played a pretty small role. Yeah, he Bob played Chin a small role. Played a pretty significant role running that whole pizza joint. Yeah, and while Damiano was only on the screen for a little bit of time in Devil and Miss Jones, he was an important role. Yeah, he was one of like three characters. Right. <laughs> Joan asked Peter to tell her about a time that he's failed, and Peter says that he hasn't. His sperms are so strong that he's gotten women pregnant even when they were on the pill and had an IUD. At this point, Joan faints. She ends up coming to shortly after, but then we cut to an establishing shot of a house, and then straight to Peter fucking Ann. Yeah. So he's come over to the girl's house on their request. Susan is licking and sucking Ann's hand, uh... (laughs) And fingers while Peter's fucking her. Okay. Peter is fucking Anne missionary, and then he slides over and he mounts Susan. Anne is rubbing Susan's breasts while Peter is fucking Susan and fingering Anne. So these girls, if they were paying attention to the television, would realize that they're about to get knocked up, but I guess that's, you know, that's what's going down. So. Yeah. Anne rolls over and... Did they turn it off at some point? Maybe when they... They didn't turn it off, but they weren't paying attention to it the whole time. But I'm pretty sure they were paying attention at the beginning when he explained his deal. But I don't know. Who knows? Like, because they ended up, like, 69ing and scissoring and playing with toys and all of that. But I feel like that happened after his introduction when they were already into a sex scene. Yeah. I think you're right. One of those... Films within a TV show within a film Gosh. situations. It's too much. I'm like Carlos Topolino. Let's wrap this thing up. <laughs> All right. Well, we're we're getting there. So uh, he has Ann roll over and he mounts her doggy style. And after a minute, he slides over and he fucks Susan doggy style. Uh, they have some interesting art on the walls. Uh, I'd imagine it's just, you know, whatever sleazy art somebody who worked on it has yeah i thought it was a painting of one of the girls at first but it's not it's just like someone with their ass up i think right yeah during one of these shots there is a mirror on the headboard of this bed and you can definitely see the camera Mm -hmm. (laughs) so peter's fingering and licking ann's clit while the two girls are making out he then lays down on the bed and susan mounts him At first, it looks like it might not go in because he might have been getting soft at that point. But we cut to another shot and he's in there going to town. So whatever. It wasn't it wasn't bad enough that you notice it. It was more like, I don't know if he's going to get it in there. Right. You know, whatever. Doubt. So Susan is riding on Peter's penis. (laughs) Anne then mounts Peter's face and is receiving oral from Peter. Uh, So the two women are on top of Peter, one on his mouth, one on his penis. Peter then pulls out and comes, 
And then he immediately slides back into Susan, and we get the same uh, little trick here where he pulls out and comes again from another angle, but it's the same come shot. Then we get to them talking afterwards, Peter, Anne, and Susan. Uh, they note that they didn't watch the end of the show because they were busy fucking around. And Peter explains that Joan uh, fainted, and they ask why, and he explains, well, she passed out when she realized she was going to get pregnant. And the girls laugh, and they're like, well, she should have realized she needed to be on the pill or had an IUD or something. Peter explains that his sperms are so potent that they will get through all of that. They're like, so what? We're going to get pregnant? He says, yes, that's what you wanted, right? And then they both pass out in shock, freeze frame, and credits. We have experienced pulsating flesh. Thank God. So this is a film with uh, a lot of questions uh, with few answers. Uh, this was released on DVD by Vinegar Syndrome in one of their Picarama two-packs uh, with Super Sex, another Carlos Tobolina film, which I'm sure is of similar excellent quality. Um, so with all of that in mind, we're going to take another small break here, and we will be back with our heated reviews of Pulsating Flesh. Oh, Mrs. Wilson... <laughs> Uh, I came here to uh, collect the bill, but uh, I was wondering if I might uh, join in, you good folk. Don't join them. Oh, join me. God, I've been delivering to your door for a long time, but I never thought I'd deliver anything like this. I drew some, I wrote a bunch of stuff that doesn't make sense. When the day has just begun and you're looking, looking for, for some, some fun. fun. Call on your local pizza girls. When, uh, when you, something is teat and you're looking for a treat. Call your friendly pizza girls. I've been looking all around for my pizza girl. <laughs> She can't be found. When will she come around? <laughs> My pizza girl. Like that. That's a chorus. <clears throat> All right. You ready? All right. So uh, we are back here to oh, talk. Oh, are we recording that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we are back here to do our review segment on pulsating flesh. Uh, so... I'm going to tag in Jeremy here for him to share his thoughts. Um, first and foremost, this movie was a mess. <laughs> uh, from the uh, needlessly complex structure of the film to the screwed up cast list that took a lot of research to sort out. Right. To uh, the constant, incessant music. <laughs> that danced across my brain. I don't know. It's you know it's cheaply made and it kind of shows. Like we said, that they reuse the same furniture for uh, everything. Right, they right. Reuse the couch. They probably reuse that that drape oh, as yeah, the that... bedspread. Right. Um. So you know, I didn't really like that aspect of it, and. Uh, 
But what I think irritated me most was that how glacially paced it was. <laughs> uh, it just took forever to get anywhere, and when it got there, there was nothing. It was just like another setup for another sex scene. Right. Uh, there wasn't a night chicken or like a come to Jesus moment or you know a murder being undone. Right. <laughs> it was just the tale of this possible con man and just fucking people's wives all around town. Right. Uh, and just, they pretty much disregard the entire, I think, central idea of the film by him having super sperms by constantly just showing him blowing loads anywhere but inside of a person. Right. But, you know, I guess that's a risk they weren't willing to take at the time. <laughs> Overall, I didn't... Uh, I didn't find myself real engaged with it. Um, I hope some of his other films are better. I know he can be at least a little more creative from having watched Jungle Blue, which was kind of like an exotic sort of pornography. There is a part where someone does suck off a man dressed as a gorilla. Well, that's good. Yeah, so more stuff like that and less of whatever this was (laughs) is what I want. Well, I think that it's important to note that this is at the end of the theatrical porn era, and this is when most stuff is starting to get shot on video, Mm -hmm. and uh, like I said toward the beginning of the episode, uh, Carlos Tobolina was one of the few people who was still shooting on film at this time, but... Part of that equation is that, you know, like everybody else on these video productions, he's going to have been working with a tiny budget on this film. And because of that, um, you know, there's a lot less and less uh, effort being put into it. And and the same thing's happening with the video productions as well. Uh, There are some people who made that transition to video and still, you know, there are definitely people who shot porn on video who went for an artistic approach but looking at the market as a whole uh regardless of what you were shooting on budgets had just plummeted it was all about getting things on vhs and how things sell on vhs we're not playing stuff in theaters anymore for the most part uh and people aren't clamoring to go to the theaters anymore because they can enjoy this in their own home yeah they don't have to be surrounded by perverts um, like they would have at their local theater once upon a time. Right. So there's that. Um, but the other thing to keep in mind at this point is not only are the plummet or not only are the budgets plummeting because of the home video market in general, but one thing that people are finding out is that some people are just making their own basically homemade porn where any old jerk with a video camera is making porn. And some of those are selling better than the productions that have all the effort put into it. And because of that, you know, that's where the real shrinking in budget comes from is yeah. not only are there not theatrical receipts anymore, but the money that they're making off of VHS is isn't necessarily proportional to the amount of money that they're actually putting into the productions. Right. So it's it's a real mess. But, you know, that doesn't excuse everything here. <laughs> right. Um, there were definitely people making films at this time that were of higher quality than this. Hmm. 
So because yes. really, like Dixie Ray only came out about a year and a half earlier than this, and that one is like comparatively. Because this was what eighty seven, eighty six, and that was eighty five, I believe. So this uh, it's a sharp decline in a few short years. Well, Dixie Ray Hollywood star was nineteen eighty three. Oh, okay. Well, so it's it's a few years okay. earlier. But well, I'm all mixed up. I don't know time. I would also assume that Anthony Spinelli, generally speaking, throughout his career, was operating from a better budget than Carlos Tobolina ever was. But regardless, you know, there are people who worked on small budgets that made films that were a little more coherent than this. I think it's fun to remember that the star of the film is the person who wrote the script. So this was his idea for his big starring role in a porn film. Yeah. He could have tried a little harder. He probably could have tried a little harder. It's kind of like a vanity project that didn't really, um, wasn't vain enough to really take it to the limits. Right. Yeah, it's, this, this film is a mess in a lot of ways, but for me, I think that one of the things that just draws me to it is my love for B-movies in general Mm -hmm. and really uh cheesy situations and it's there's there's a lot going on here and if you try to mentally tie all of it together and make sense of it you're going to do one of two things either you're going to drive yourself insane because uh you need to rationalize everything and nothing makes any sense or like me you take it as just part of the charm of the film that everything's just weird and nonsense well spoken. <laughs> <laughs> I have seen uh, multiple other Carlos Tobolina films, and uh, of the ones that I've seen, this is definitely at the lower end of them. This might be my least favorite of them. I'm trying to think. Definitely, definitely mine. Yeah, it, obviously. You didn't like it at all, basically. <laughs> I, I would say that of the other films that I've seen, they've also had kind of the issue where like the plot just disappears towards the end, and for some reason there's just a bunch of people having sex, and you know that's kind of like what they were trying to get to. So I understand and appreciate that for what it is, but at the same time, when we're looking at an industry like this. Uh, that has had so many, you know, artists running through it with a lot of, uh, with a lot of talent and a lot of ambition. Uh, when you see a film like this, it's definitely, you know, understandable to not be impressed. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't say that I was particularly impressed with this film. Loved I it. would agree that the pacing was bad, especially since the story just kind of disappears at a point. Uh, it's, you know, an hour and 20 minutes or so, and it feels like it's about an hour and 45 minutes. Yeah, it's really, it draws itself out. But at the same time, I didn't not enjoy watching it. I can't see myself watching it again. Like, I watched it twice this week because I had to polish up my notes and stuff and get some, uh, quotes pulled out and stuff, but, uh. I could see myself never watching this again. Yeah, this one's... Don't check it out. (laughs) 
Yeah, so uh, we've had a, a couple really strong weeks with the Devil and Miss Jones and Hot and Saucy Pizza Girls, but Pulsating Flesh is uh, definitely not on their level. Yeah, we were bound to hit a, a rough one eventually. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, I don't know that... <sighs> Alter of Flesh, or Alter of Lust was kind of rough. Alter of Lust was kind of rough. I would say that there was, I don't know... The narrative was a little more consistent. Yeah. I would say that maybe Pulsating Flesh had more narrative toward the beginning of it once you got past that opening scene, but it kind of drops off at the end, and I think that that hurts it at the end, the pacing of the film as a whole, because yeah. it loses all of that, whereas Altar of Lust was pretty consistent start to finish. It's true. If I was going to watch a movie again... Between the two of them, I don't know which one I would pick, to be honest. I'd watch Altar of Lust because it had the better soundtrack. That's fair. Yeah. I also think it's like ten minutes shorter, and that yeah. helps. <laughs> <laughs> That's true as well. All right. Uh, well, anything else to add about uh, Pulsating Flesh? I think I've said enough. I think enough has been said about this movie. I think, yeah, I think it might be time to wash our hands of it. Yeah. I'm not going to say, like, don't watch it by any means, but I would definitely say there are a lot of hardcore films in the classic era, and a lot of them are going to be better than this one, and we've talked about uh, them on most of the episodes before now. So you should see something else. Oh, was that you kissing? Yeah. Uh, so I think that's Jeremy kissing us all goodbye. So I love you all. Uh, so again, we're on social media at Raincoat Report on Instagram and Twitter. RaincoatReport at gmail.com if you want to send us an email. Uh, follow us, rate us, review us, subscribe to us on Give us money. the podcast stuff. Uh, if you want to send us money directly, feel free to do that. Uh you know, if we uh, if we get a bunch of money, we can buy better equipment and pass me on the street. Give me a couple dollars. Yeah, <laughs> he deserves a few dollars for what it is that he does, which is not much. I do a lot. You do a lot. What do you do? Um, I watch these. I watch this movie. You did watch this movie like a trooper. Yeah. Um, I came all the way over here about these beers. Oh, yeah. About these yinglings. Yeah, they're mostly gone now. They're mostly gone now. We've had a fun. long, hard day of podcasting. So Yeah, man. Let's go watch something stupid. Yeah, we should watch something dumb. All right. So for Jeremy, this is Boss. Uh, thanking you guys once again for helping us keep 42nd Street alive. And don't forget your raincoat. Okay. Well, as soon as she found out she was going to get pregnant, she fainted. I don't understand how she can get pregnant. I mean, she must be taking the pill or, or have an IUD or something. Well, my sperms are so potent that I can get a girl pregnant no matter what she's taking. You mean we're going to get pregnant? Well, of course. That's what you wanted, isn't it? Oh, no. Oh, no.